Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky continues our 10 Practices series where we will be talking about 10 daily and weekly practices that can define our faith and bring growth in our life. Matt talks about solitude this week, looking at different times in the Gospels where Jesus takes time to intentionally be alone and focus on God. Matt talks about how solitude also might be a time for God to give us direction and to focus in on the will of God for our lives. We challenge you to intentionally separate yourself from things and others once a week to foster a time of listening, reflecting, and being still with God. We hope you enjoy this message. Everyone, and welcome back to another FGS. We miss you guys and we love you guys. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks for being here tonight with us from wherever you're watching from. Uh, Just know we love you and we're so thankful that you're worshiping with us here tonight. Over the past few weeks, we have been in a series that we're calling the 10 practices. And these 10 practices are ways to express our faith in Jesus and ways to give structure to our faith so that our that our faith doesn't just survive during this time of quarantine, but thrives and beyond, not just while we're in the quarantine, but even beyond that. And so this is week number five. So we're this, this is our fifth practice that we're introducing. And this week uh, it is such an exciting practice to me, and I wanted to talk about it for two main reasons. I want to introduce the practice this week. It is solitude, the practice of solitude. And I wanted to talk about it for these two main reasons. Number one is, I think as uh, this stay-at-home order has hit and this pandemic has, has spread and this quarantine is in effect, I think we have maybe more time and more opportunity and more margin than ever before to create this practice in our lives. I mean, think about it. If you're in some ways forced to remain home and in some ways uh, required not to be around people, or at least at a distance, then what a great time to actually begin to implement this practice of solitude. Now, hear me, and I want to I want to make a distinction here. Isolation is different than solitude. Isolation is separation. Solitude is an intentional removal. You are removing yourself from uh, people, places, things for specific purposes. And so they're very different. So I'm not talking about isolation. I'm, I'm talking about solitude where we intentionally pull away. So this is a season that you have more margin than ever before to create this practice. The other reason that I really wanted to talk about solitude is because as the team and I have discussed this and um, have had so many conversations with students and with people, and we've observed this generation and our generation as well, we really feel like this is a lost art in spirituality when it comes to these generations, mine and yours. This is a a lost art. to practice solitude because it almost seems scary or it seems weird. It just seems unnecessary. I think a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid to be alone with their thoughts. They're afraid to be alone with their emotions. They're afraid to be alone, period. I mean, what would I do if I didn't have my phone or the TV or my friends to distract me? What do I do if I just have to sit in place and and be still and focus on my thoughts and my emotions? That can be terrifying for some. And for others, it just kind of seems strange. Like, why Why would I do that? It, it doesn't seem like it would fulfill me. It doesn't seem like I need it. And then maybe some think, I mean, it's just like it, it doesn't need to be a part of, of my day-to-day. It's not, it's not needed. It's not important. I get 
by fine without it. And so it's either scary or confusing or unneeded. At least that's the perception. And we wanted to say, no, actually, it's this beautiful spiritual practice that invites us into the deepest depths and intimacy of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, enabling us to join him in his movements. So let's talk through solitude. This is a practice that we see modeled by Jesus on so many different occasions. I want to read just a few uh, examples of how Jesus modeled this. This was a part of his rhythm and his ministry. And here are a few examples. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus and Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his public ministry by retreating to the wilderness for 40 days. That's a practice of solitude. I'm going to get away from people and things and be on my own and focus on God. He begins his ministry in this way. There's something significant about that. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, uh, before choosing the 12 disciples, he spends a night in prayer by himself. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, when his cousin, John the Baptist, died, Jesus went to a lonely place to mourn the death of his cousin. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, uh, after feeding the 5,000, the miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus retreats into the mountains by himself to pray for a while. Mark chapter 6, verse 31 uh, he invites his disciples to a lonely place, to a desolate place to rest. After they've been doing ministry, they've been going, going, going. He says, let's retreat. Let's get to a lonely place. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, Jesus withdrew to the wilderness after healing a leper. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Jesus took Peter, James, and John alone to the top of a mountain by themselves away to reveal his glory to them. Uh, Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, Jesus sought solitude right before the cross. Uh, some of the largest movements, the culmination of his mission and ministry on this earth, Jesus sought solitude in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. I mean, this, this was a regular model of Jesus to practice solitude. And logically, we would think, man, if, if I want to be like Jesus, then we have to implement his practices into our lives and make them our practices. But again, solitude is, is one of the most rarely practiced, if at all, practices. It just seems scary or weird or unnecessary, right? And the passage of scripture that I want to focus on this evening is out of Mark chapter 1. So this is another example of Jesus practicing solitude. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 uh, through verse 39. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, so part of Jesus's rhythm was to wake up early before the sunrise. Sorry, high schoolers, I know the quarantine has jacked up your sleeping schedule and you've probably made it a 1 p.m. wake up, right? JJ Bunny, I'm talking to you. Jesus made it a practice to beat the sun up. Uh, he, he rose before the sun very early in the morning and departed and he went out to a desolate place and he prayed there. So. He didn't just go there for the sake of it. He went there to pray, to, to be in fellowship with the Father. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They couldn't find him. They woke up, they rolled over, and they're like, hey, Jesus' sleeping bag is empty. Where is this dude, man? And they looked and looked and looked. In fact, this happened regularly. 
And when they found him, they said, hey, everyone is looking for you. Like there's people waiting on you, waiting to be healed, waiting for you to come and, and do some miracles. And look at what Jesus says. He doesn't even respond to that. He doesn't say like, oh, you knew where I'd be, man. I'm, I'm praying. You knew this is my spot. He doesn't say, oh, they're waiting on me. Oh, man, uh, I, I hate to upset people. I better get down there and appease the masses. Actually, Jesus doesn't even focus on the people looking for him, which is interesting. Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went through Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So the disciples come and they're like, dude, we, we've been looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. They're waiting for you. And Jesus says, yeah, let's go to these towns. I'm not going back there. Which is kind of weird. It's like, Jesus, but, you, but you're God in the flesh. Wouldn't you make yourself available to every single person who's waiting on you and looking for you and wanting to meet you? And, and Jesus just seemed to have this keen understanding of where he was supposed to go and when, of how to respond to Peter, uh, of who he was and, and what he was about. When I was in college, um, the guy that mentored me and discipled me during my undergraduate years, all four years, I didn't realize it then, but he modeled to me what a rhythm of solitude looked like. Every Tuesday, I would see him sitting out in a field by himself in a chair. And he had his eyes closed, a big smile on his face, and he just had his palms up, upward to heaven. And he would just sit like this for the better part of at least an hour. Every Tuesday, because the field was adjacent to my dormitory. So when I would come back from classes in the afternoon, I would see him out there and I was just mesmerized by his discipline, but also confused. Hey, dude, what are you doing? And how do you sit there for that long without moving? And he seemed to understand something then that I didn't. He practiced solitude, retreating away from others, away from things, so that we can foster a time of listening, reflecting, and being still with God. That's what, that's what solitude is. If you're a fan of music, you may have heard of the band 21 Pilots. I know they're not as relevant today as they were when I was in college, but they're still a pretty cool band. But on their, in their early years, they had this song called Car Radio. And, um, and in the song, he describes that this radio that was in his car got stolen. And now he's forced to drive around in silence. And that's terrifying to him because now he's forced to be alone with his thoughts and to actually think through his emotions and process what he's feeling and thinking and his experiences. And he doesn't have the radio to distract him or drown out those realities anymore. And that song is such a perfect picture of how we approach solitude. It can be terrifying or confusing. We just don't want to engage in it. In fact, I think this generation, and understandably so, cannot relate to the idea of solitude. And again, this is different than isolation. Solitude is this intentional retreat, this withdrawal to be alone with the Father, to foster a time of listening, reflecting, and intimacy. And one of the reasons this generation and mine has such a hard time with it is because we are more connected than ever before. You have the world at your fingertips and at any point you can just connect 
And so think about how often you intentionally withdraw to be alone with your thoughts and yourself and your emotions to process them and, and, and think through your experiences and to learn from them or to invite God into a sacred place and a still time. Most of us distract ourselves through connectivity or we escape our emotions through connectivity or we, we don't even realize that we're just continually in this rather than pausing long enough to allow God to speak. And I, I would suggest this evening that there are four very practical benefits of creating practices of solitude. And so if you're wondering, man, what's the point of it? Like, what good is it? How do you even engage with it? I, I would suggest there are four very practical ben benefits of creating a practice of solitude. The first is, so benefit number one, it moves us away from loneliness and into fulfillment. See, I think so many of us are afraid to be alone. In fact, uh, FOMO is, is the fear of missing out. We, we don't want to be away from what's happening. We don't want to miss out on an experience. We don't want to miss out on the fun or people or whatever. And then it's even scarier to think, but if I'm not with them, then how am I going to distract myself from myself? Like I've just got to be with myself and think through my own stuff and process. And, and that can be scary and dangerous and hurtful and painful. And we do a pretty good job at suppressing and distracting and escaping. But, but when we practice solitude, we actually move away from loneliness and into fulfillment. In fact, it's people who don't know how to be alone that are truly lonely because we've never figured out how to be with ourselves. We've become dependent on the presence of others for our fulfillment. But when we practice solitude, we move away from loneliness and into fulfillment because we actually pause long enough to embrace ourselves. We pause long enough to figure out who we are. We start to gain independence. We start to derive our identity from the Father and not from ourselves or others. We stop seeing ourselves through the eyes of others, but through the lens of the scripture. We stop escaping reality through experiences and social media and internet and binge watching. And we, we, we stop at that pace of life and we create a rhythm where we actually start to breathe in truth. Who does God say I am? How does he define me? Where is my worth derived from? And then we begin to process, we begin to process all the painful and hurtful things in our past. We actually begin to find fulfillment. We begin to learn who we are who God has created us to be, a sense of identity. This is who I am because we're pausing long enough to actually process ourselves through journaling, through reflecting, through asking hard questions. We're getting away from all the distractions. We're learning how to be independent. See, community without solitude is a full-on dependency on other people. You are codependent on everyone else for your fulfillment in life. Solitude without community is full on autonomy and isolation. There's an arrogance about it. I don't need others, I got myself. Jesus has created us to have both. You need others and you need solitude. It's the ebb and flow of your personhood. So we move away from loneliness and into a self-fulfillment. The second benefit that I clearly see from practicing solitude is, you begin to gain control over your words. 
Now, I know that one might seem weird, like, really, that comes from solitude? But think about it. When you practice solitude, you practice silence. You sit and you listen. You begin to cultivate the discipline of refraining from speaking, of calming your mind and your inner thoughts. You begin to tune in your ears to what God is doing. And now this practice starts to trickle over into your relationships. No longer are you, do you have to be the first one to speak or the first one to respond. You don't have to use your words to try to fix people or manipulate people or win arguments or win over others. Your words don't become your weapon. Your words become a, a source of healing and encouragement for others. James talks about this all in his book. He says that the tongue is a fire. It has the power to destroy. Book of Proverbs says a well-timed word uh, is as, as uh, pure as silver. So knowing when to speak and knowing when to be silent are skills. Being silent when you should speak, that's not good. Speaking when you should be silent, that's not good. These are skills to learn. But most of us don't practice silence enough to ever learn how to be silent. And so therefore, the words that come out of our mouths are knee-jerk reactions, are just what we respond with. They're reactions rather than being calm enough and level-headed enough to withhold our words or say the right thing. I mean, how many times have you said something that you then have to go back and apologize for because you hurt someone? Practicing silence in solitude helps you master your tongue, helps you master your words. So that's the second main benefit. The third main benefit that I see from practicing solitude is you learn how to be in the moment. So by, by being in solitude, you begin to learn this rhythm of, of how to just be. You stop worrying about what's next on the agenda or schedule. You stop, you stop worrying about, am I late to this? What am I going to do after that? Are they going to be there? What's going to happen next week? You just you, you, you reorient your entire mind around this moment. I am with the Father right here, right now. And you begin to abide. You begin to remain. You learn how to be in the moment. And the greatest benefit of that is you begin to live every day with a sense of contentment and presence. You begin to observe and maybe see like never before special and unique moments. And I'm not saying that every moment of your day uh, is radically special, but let's not miss the ones that are. And oftentimes we create, or, or in our minds, we make the the uh, most exciting experiences, the best ones, and that's not necessarily true. Sometimes the most ordinary and mundane experiences becomes the ones that we cherish the most. But we never realize that they're valuable unless we have the eyes to be in the moment and see them. Practicing solitude helps us cultivate, cultivate how to be and rest in the moment and soak it up for all it's worth without worrying about what's coming next and what am I doing next. We're not absent-minded, we're in the moment. And then fourth and finally, one of the greatest uh, benefits that I can see from being in solitude is you begin to have a grasp on your purpose. How many of you are wondering, God, what is your will for my life? How many of you are, are trying to create your destiny on your own and there's some thought inside of you? Man, is this what God wants though? Like, I don't know what he wants. 
Most students I talk to say, I don't know how to hear from the Spirit. I don't know how to listen to the Spirit. I don't know how to know the will of God. And I would ask, well, are you pausing long enough and practicing solitude and silence so that you can listen? Because typically the ways that we escape or distract ourselves or or have to be around others and things all the time tend to drown out the voice of the Spirit. But by practicing solitude, we begin to calm the inner space of our heads and hearts, allowing God's whisper to be heard with clarity. Defines your purpose. So look at, look at this passage again, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and he went out to a desolate, desolate place and he prayed. So he is practicing solitude. He's deriving his uh, presence with the Father during this time. He's praying. So this is benefit number one. He's finding fulfillment in the solitude. Peter says, hey, everyone's looking for you uh, and, and they're waiting to be healed. We've been searching. They're looking. Come on. Now, Jesus in this moment could have lashed back. Hey, man, don't tell me who's looking for me. I'm God in the flesh. Like he could have responded sharply like that. Jesus knew how to control his words. In fact, he didn't even bring attention to his response uh, to the people looking for him. Instead, what did he do? He focused on where they need to go next. So Jesus, through this time of solitude, was deriving his identity, his fulfillment with the Father, spending time with the Father. He was controlling his words. He was he had clarity in this moment and he knew God's will. Nope, let's go to the next towns because that's where I'm going to preach. That's why I've come out. So we seem to have this understanding of where God was leading. The benefits of practicing solitude are immense. I've just named four, but there's many. And I would encourage you to take the risk and to try to practice solitude in your lives. Two easy ways, little moments and big moments. Little moments are just finding those little times all throughout the day to just refocus your mind on who God is and on who you are. It could be when you're stuck in traffic and instead of getting angry, maybe give thanks. Wow, a time long enough to pause and center my mind and heart on God. It could be right before you go to bed as you're doing your nightly routine, maybe just maybe just walk outside and, and be in the moment of the stillness of the night, look up at the stars and moon, 30 seconds, just be in the moment. So a bunch of little moments and then the obvious one is create big moments, plan for them once a week or a couple of times a month or whatever, but carve out large chunks of time to just be alone with God. No distractions, no escaping, not with others, you and God. Derive your fulfillment from him, learn silence, listen to the spirit and where he's leading. These are the ways of solitude. Students, I love you, and I'm hoping you take the risk to, to learn how to, how to implement this practice in your life. Have a great night.